Bibles, please open up to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. As we begin this new book of the Bible tonight. And it's going to be in parts, obviously, because we're just going to go through the first seven verses tonight. And uh, the message entitled, The Beginning of Knowledge. The Beginning of Knowledge. Now, the book of Proverbs is called the best manual on people skills. The best manual on people skills. The words lips, mouth, tongue, talk, listen, and words are, are found all through the Proverbs. It's, it's a book on communication. And within man, there is a desire to learn and understand. And our minds are, are, are what set us apart from the animal world. Because we can think. We can analyze. We can figure things out. We can theorize. We can discuss and debate everything from science to the supernatural. We build schools, institutes, universities, where scholarly professors can teach us about the world and about life. But, unfortunately, many of the universities and professors today are teaching us about liberalism and, and, you know, just anti-biblical kind of things. And, again, very sad today. But there's a big difference. Knowledge is a good thing. Knowledge is a good thing. But there's a big difference between knowledge, that is, having the facts... And wisdom, which is applying those facts to life. Now, we might get a whole lot of knowledge. We might have a whole lot of knowledge, but not have any wisdom. That just basically makes our knowledge useless. We have to learn how to live out what we know. The wisest man who ever lived, next to Jesus, was Solomon, who left us a wonderful gift. Of written wisdom in the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. In these books, which are inspired by the Holy Spirit, Solomon gives useful, everyday, sensible insights and guidelines for life. In the book of Proverbs, written in the 10th century BC, Solomon passes on his practical advice in the form of Proverbs. Now, what is a proverb? It's a short, to-the-point sentence that expresses a moral truth. In Kings 4.32, it says, First Kings 4.32, it says that Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs. Proverbs, proverbs 30 was written by uh, Agur, and Proverbs 31 was written by King Lemuel. The book of Proverbs is a collection of these wise sayings. And the main theme of Proverbs, as we might expect is the nature of true wisdom. Solomon writes in verse 7 here in chapter 1, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Then he goes on to guide, to give us hundreds of practical, that is, sensible examples on how to live according to godly wisdom. And Proverbs, man, it covers a wide range of subjects like youth and discipline, family life, self-control in eating and drinking, 
resisting temptation. It speaks about business matters, generosity. It speaks about, the wor- about words and the tongue. It speaks about knowing God. It speaks about marriage and seeking the truth. Uh, wealth and poverty, immoral- immorality and falsehood. It speaks about lewdness, laziness, contentiousness, and the keeping of bad company. And, of course, it speaks of wisdom. So these Proverbs are short poems, usually in pairs, containing a godly combination of common sense and timely warnings. And even though they're not meant to teach doctrine, a person who follows their advice will walk closely with God because it's God's word and it's godly wisdom. The book of Proverbs focuses on God. For example, his character, his works, and his blessings. And it tells us how we can live in close relationship with him. And even though Jesus isn't identified by name in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 22 through 31, it gives clear, it's clear that the writer is describing Jesus. Wisdom, God-like perfect. God-like and perfect. He is personified. And it says, I have been established from everlasting from the beginning before the earth was ever an, uh, ever an earth. When he had prepared the heavens, I was there. I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight. Proverbs 8, 23, 27, and 30. Compare this with John 1, 1. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. John 1, 1 through 4. The word proverb comes from a Hebrew Hebrew word that means to rule or to govern. And these sayings, uh, reminders and warnings, give insightful advice for ruling our lives. And you know what? It's available to all who want it. It's available to all who will receive it. And as we read the Proverbs, let us understand that knowing God is the key to wisdom. Listen to the thoughts and the lessons from the world's wisest man and apply these truths to your life. Let's not just read them. All right, let's live them. That's the purpose for them. That's the purpose for the Word of God, period. Now, After Solomon and Ecclesiastes so clearly told the story of his tiring search for happiness, that is under the sun, that means on earth, with its disappointing results, it led to these often repeated words, all is vanity and grasping for the wind. Searching for happiness on this earth, he says, I tried everything, but it's all vanity and it's like trying to to grab hold of the wind. He directs those who would escape the tricky paths that he had himself walked. He said to consider the collection of Proverbs, which he had searched for, just the right words to express truths clearly. And the last seven verses of Ecclesiastes make a good introduction to the book of Proverbs, which in our Bibles comes just before it. Vanities of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. And besides that, because the preacher was wise, that is Solomon, he still taught the people knowledge. And he pondered and he sought out and set in order many proverbs. And Solomon set out on a search to find the right words. And what was written in the proverbs was righteous, that is, words of truth. 
The words of the wise are like goads to stimulate you, to provoke you. And the words of scholars, the Proverbs are like the words of scholars. They're like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12, 8 through 14, he says, And further, my son, be admonished by these, of making many books there is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. And here it is. After all 12 verses or 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes and all that he searched for and all that he found and all that he experienced, he says, this is what it all winds up to be. Fear God and keep his commandments because this is man's all. Fear God and keep his word. He says, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Now, chapters 1 through 9 of Proverbs are fatherly exhortations given mainly to the young. And verses 1 through 4 here in chapter 1 are an important collection of sayings to the young man, as well as to the young woman. Now, let's begin now with chapter 1, with verses 1 through 4. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel... To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Now, I did read, you know, one extra verse there, but one through four. There are, in one, verses one through four, there are ten words here. That seem to be synonymous, the same. They're related, but they're not exactly the same. Solomon isn't using these words just to show off his wisdom. We see them used over and over throughout the book of Proverbs. And we need to look at each of these words. Because Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. So beginning in chapter 2, the first part 2a, notice it says, it mentions to know wisdom. To know wisdom. The word wisdom in scripture means the ability to use knowledge correctly. We find it in Proverbs uh, 37 times, the word wisdom, 37 times. It's using knowledge correctly. Now there are a lot of very intelligent people who have a lot of knowledge, but they lack wisdom. They don't seem to use their knowledge correctly. It's like knowing the alphabet. Well, that's great. I know my ABCs, you know, backwards and forward. That's knowledge. But now using them to spell words is wisdom. So again, a lot of people have knowledge. They know the ABCs, but they don't know how to make words out of them. Second, the second word that we see is instruction there in verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction. We find this word 26 times in Proverbs. And sometimes the same Hebrew word is translated chasten. For example, Proverbs 13, 24 says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. In the King James it says chasten. Same thing. Chasten, disciplines. Here, chasten actually means to give instruction. So the word instruction means that you teach by discipline, which is pretty much ignored truth today a lot of times you know the the justice system they don't they don't 
you know, do any of that. Today, parents, they, they, they yell they yell at their children or, or bribe them. The, word, the world today is definitely out of step with the word of God. And today we put people in prison to discipline them and rehabilitate them, which was never the purpose for dealing with criminals, according to the word of God. The purpose there was to judge, to judge them and to punish them. No other reason was ever given. And on the other hand, when you're dealing with a son, a child, you discipline him or her because that's a part of their instruction. You are to chasten them. You are to teach them by disciplining them. Your purpose is not to punish them. When a child does something wrong, you often hear, that child should be punished. That's not the reason for spanking your child, which you know, also isn't done today. You know, it's to teach them by discipline. We have it backwards today. We discipline criminals and we punish our children. We need to get back to, the, to, to God's way of doing things. Our schools today are practicing the new ways of teaching. You know, I remember the old method of teaching by discipline. That's totally out today. Against the law, too. I remember my old high school days when the Board of Education was applied to the seat of understanding. They gave swats. Bend over, guy. Here it comes. And sometimes they, you know, lift you off your feet. You know, it's very much needed. Not, don't know about swats, but, you know, some kind of, you know, discipline. In the home and in school. Instruction is to teach by discipline. And God, our Heavenly Father, is excellent at teaching in that way. You know, it's, again, we have it backwards. We can't give our kids Bibles at school, but we can give them Bibles when they go to prison. That's, you know, many, many parents let their children run wild, but they take their dogs to obedience school. You know, it's, it's totally backwards today. All right, and then also in verse 2, we have the third word here. In verse 2, it's understanding. Understanding means intelligence. We have another word, discernment. We need to recognize that God expects us to use our intelligence. He expects us to use a lot of holy common sense. The fourth word to look at is in verse 3. It says, to give prudence to the simple. To give prudence to the I'm sorry, to receive the instruction of wisdom. Uh, to receive the instruction of wisdom. So, um, uh, um, yeah, justice, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice. Now, justice in verse 3, or, or righteousness. Justice means right behavior. All right, right behavior. Now, you know, who says what's right and wrong? Who says what's right and what's wrong? Well, because God runs the whole universe, he's the one who says what's right and what's wrong. So if God says something's right, it's right. If God says something's wrong, it's wrong. Right and wrong are not relative terms. It's not, well, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, it's different for so-and-so and it's different. From, no, it's not relative. All right? Except in the average worldly man's mind. The ruling feeling today is that what the average man does is normal. He sets the standard. And that's one of the reasons why there's so much dishonesty and gross immorality today in our world. Right and wrong have become relative terms. What's right for you may not be right for me. What's wrong to me may not be wrong to you. God says they're not relative terms, just like light and darkness. They are absolutes. And then third, 
also there is after justice is judgment 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 means that you and i are to make judgments the same it's the same thing as making decisions making a decision when the believer comes to a crossroads in life they have to make a a decision about which way they're going to go the sixth word in verse three notice is equity all right It's, it's equity justice judgment and then equity This refers to an attitude rather than behavior. The child of God is not not put under rules, but we have been given principles that should guide us. For example, Romans 14.22, it gives us this principle. Paul said, happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. In other words, the believer should should have enthusiasm for what he does. There's, there's a lot of Christian behavior that's like walking on eggshells. People say, man, I don't know whether I should do this or not. Well, here's the principle. If you can't do it enthusiastically, you shouldn't do it at all. What we do, we ought to do with excitement and joy. And we should be fully persuaded in our own minds that it's the right thing to do. It's the right way to go. It's the right course of action to take. We shouldn't have second thoughts after we've done it. Happy is the man whose conscience doesn't condemn him in the things which he allows. You see, if we look back on something that we've done and we say, oh man, I wish I hadn't done it, then it was wrong for us to do. In questionable matters where the scriptures are silent, this is a great principle that will guide you in your conduct. And if you can look back on what you did yesterday and say, oh, praise the Lord, yesterday was a great day for me, then you know that what you did was right for you to do. The seventh word is prudence there in verse 4, to give prudence to the simple. Being prudent is the meaning of giving keen insight to the simple. It's to act prudently, to be wise in what we do. And a child of God shouldn't do foolish things. And there are times when I see people getting ready to make a, a, a big move in their life. And, and I've personally, you know, urged them, be careful. Count the cost of what you're doing. Consider all things. Because, you know, I just knew that they were headed for trouble. And it was mostly because they were doing it all for the wrong reasons. But they just, you know, closed their eyes, their eyes to the reality of it, and they went, they went forward, and, and they became casualties. I, I saw it many times over the years. They weren't prudent. They hadn't shown wisdom in, in, in that particular situation. And remember what Jesus said. He said, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. The eighth word that we look at there after prudence, it says, uh, to, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Knowledge. This is the eighth word. Knowledge is information that's helpful. Next to knowing is knowing where to find out. That's the important thing. If I don't know, then where do I go to find out? That's one reason why it's so good to have the Bible within your reach, to have it close by, to learn to read it. So that if you don't know something, you surely can know where to find out, where to go in the scriptures to find the answer. And then the ninth thing, okay, is discretion. After knowledge is discretion. Discretion means thoughtfulness there in verse 4. This is, this is for the young man. 
and for young people in general who, who are thoughtless. You know, it's a characteristic that you, you don't see, again, in, in a lot of young people. But it becomes very clear when a person is feeding upon the Word of God. You can see that in a person. It's always a great joy to find a thoughtful Christian. And it's a characteristic that all of us should have. And then last, there in verse, the second part of verse uh, 5, is a, a man of understanding. Understanding. Understanding carries the idea to bereave or to miscarry. It suggests the idea of learning through the unhappy experiences of others or oneself. And the book of Proverbs will help us uh, see that these wonderful qualities should be included in our lives every day. And in these 10 words, in verses 1 through 4, we have a well-rounded person, a well-rounded character. And it's important to remember that the study and practice of God's word alone can produce it. This part of God's word is addressed especially to the young man. Giving him, the need, giving him what he needs for his journey through this world. Now look at verse 5. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. So here's the challenge now to the young man. It's only the self-confident talker who thinks that, that they don't need instruction. And that's, that's really a, a, a characteristic of youth. <laughs> I can remember it. Hey, I know everything. Willingness to learn is always characteristic of a person who's really wise. Those things that are valuable and for us to think about, they're not always simply spoken. Because God wants our senses to exercise good judgment. He wants us to exercise discernment when it comes to both good and evil. It has to be clear even to the beginner that if God wanted to instruct his, uh, his creatures about the way to heaven and about Christian responsibility, God could have done it in, much, in a much simpler way than the way he's chosen to give us his truth. But this would, uh, this would have done away with, with that exercise that's both for our blessing and for his glory. That's why we're exhorted to study to show yourself approved of God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This has been the characteristic of all great men and women. They, they never reached the place where they felt they'd learned everything. You know, and, and many young people think, hey, I, I know it all, I, you know, I, and they, they, don't, they don't listen. Listen to what Paul, after many years of ministry, said. In Philippians 3.12, he says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. At the end of Paul's life, he says, Hey, man, I, I, haven't, I haven't gotten it all. I'm not, I'm not perfected. But he says, I press on. I keep learning. I keep growing. So that I can lay a hold of why Christ, Christ laid a hold of me. Again, a lot of young people think they know it all. You just, you just can't tell them anything. They know it all already. But Proverbs says that a wise man or woman will hear and they will increase learning. And verse 5 says there, a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. 
That's really the challenge of this whole book of Proverbs. Solomon says that if you're smart, you will listen to what is being said in this book. The Spirit of God has a lot of excellent things to say in the book of Proverbs. And they're great truths that are spoken in these short sentences called Proverbs. Verse 6. Again, verse 5, a wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Here's why. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The word riddles is dark sayings. The riddles of life, the dark sayings of life, they become bright when the man or a woman of God studies those things. And praise to have his or her eyes opened by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, that they might see the wondrous things from God's law. And there's another proverb that that suggests the same idea. Proverbs 25, 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. See, God has given us the gospel. The gospel message. And he's given it to us for us to be shouting it from from wherever we are. To shout it out to those who are in the darkness. But there's a lot of truth in the word of God that's like diamonds and gold and oil. That is, God hasn't left these valuable things lying on the surface. These things that are valuable have been hidden away from man to look for and to find. The diamonds and the gold and the oil and other precious things, they must be mined or drilled for. It takes work. That's the way God does it. You know, Solomon said, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing. And the word of God deserves all the study that we can possibly give it. Jesus said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. You know, the psalmist looked at God's word as a treasure. And when you think of treasure, what do you think of? Looking for it. You know, you were in the movie that you got a treasure map and X marks the spot. And you go and you begin to dig for it. And as you're digging and you're laboring away and you're sweating and toiling, guess what? You find the treasure. That's your reward. It's the same thing with God's word. You know, sometimes we have to apply a little sweat to find those nuggets that are deeply buried in the word of God. Jesus didn't say you are not to search the scriptures. He says, search the scriptures. He says, you just think that you have found eternal life. And he said that because you haven't really Search the scriptures, speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. You think you have found eternal life, but you really haven't searched the scriptures. You've been reading the Bible, but you haven't found the real message that's in the word of God. The real treasure is there, and the real treasure that, that you find there is Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 5, 39, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. If you haven't found Jesus in the Bible, you simply haven't been mining 
or searching for diamonds, then you haven't been digging deep enough to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings, the riddles. In Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 12, it says, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These, speaking of those who from Berea, he said, These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness, and they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. And the Bereans received the word you know, with readiness. You know, just they wanted to. But you know what? They searched the scriptures to see if what Paul was teaching was true, to see if God's word was true. And then it says, therefore, many of them believed. Searching the scriptures, you will find eternal life. In other words, God has put these great truths here in his book. And there needs to be a serious, steadfast, unwavering, diligent study of the Word of God. Somehow people have gotten the idea that you can read over a passage once and then have it all down. And as we go through the, the, to the Proverbs, I hope that, that, that you know, we'll see that, that we can't get to the nuggets of the Word of God without studying it. The challenge of the book of Proverbs to us today is dig in. Dig in. That's the challenge to us to do serious study. Again, study to show yourself approved to God. A workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In closing, the sad thing about today is because of the ignorance of the word of God, people are perishing. They're perishing. They're languishing out there in the world. They're being tossed to and fro. Again, all this conflicting information, not knowing what to do. And they're perishing. Hosea 4, 6, God said, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. The word of God. The words of the Lord are the scriptures. They come from him. They're all about him. The doctrines of grace are found in the scriptures. The upright words, the righteous words of Christ are found in the scriptures. Hearing the scriptures suggests the preaching of the scriptures. And that's how, that's how faith comes. It comes by hearing. The scriptures are a great blessing and they should be paid attention to. Because it's the way people are saved. It's the way they're regenerated. It's how they learn about Christ, get the knowledge of Christ. It's how they find faith in him. And that's how they find the joy of Christ in the scriptures. Now, to be deprived of hearing the gospel, and that's, that's spiritual famine. To be deprived of hearing the word of God, that's, that's spiritual famine, starvation, spiritual starvation. 
God's word is, is, is spiritual food that's tasty, that's healthy, it's nourishing, it's satisfying, it's strengthening, and it's comforting when these, God's words, are taken in, when it's being heard. But when they're taken away, a famine results. When the word of God is taken away, a spiritual famine results. And when a famine like this takes place, that is the the famine of the word of God, the taking away of the word of God, when a famine like this takes place, bread, the bread of life, the bread for people's souls is gone. The means of salvation is gone. To find the knowledge of Christ is gone. To have a famine of the word of God, comfort comes to an end. There is no more comfort. Because the word of God comforts us. And when a spiritual famine like that takes place, When the word of God is gone, as a result, people will die. They will will die because of the lack of these things. The tasty, healthy, nourishing, satisfying, strengthening, and comforting word of God. They will die because of the lack of these things. And that's why it's so important, man, that we feed ourselves, feed upon the word of God. Not feed upon man's words or ideas or philosophies. But feed upon the the good, basic word of God. Getting back to God's word. Staying in God's word. Applying it to our lives every day in every way. That way we will stay spiritually healthy, spiritually strong. And we'll know what to do. In the, in the difficult times that we're in. Father, once again, we thank you for your word. How wonderful it is, God. It is so deep. It is so full of wisdom and so full of guidance, Lord. It's so full of truth. And the Father, we, we could never in our lifetime, even in eternity, Learn all there is to know about your word, Lord, because it's eternal. It's living, written by the eternal spirit. But, Father, while we are here and we have the word, God, let us do all that we can. Let us be diligent and steady to show ourselves approved. And, Father, just give us that hunger and that thirst for your word, God. Lord, just like we have the the natural hunger for food and we eat every day. God, give us that spiritual hunger for the, the bread of life, God. The manna from heaven. Your word, Lord. To feed us, to lead us, to guide us, to strengthen us, God. To comfort us. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you so much that you would bless us with this book. God, what a gift that we have before us. 
So, Lord, let us, like the psalmist say, Lord, let us, Father, look at it as a treasure. And pray, Lord, show us great and wonderful things, God, in your word. The nuggets that are there, God. And Father, I pray that you would bless, God, um, your people tonight, God, as they go their way and begin a new week. God, may you uh, protect them, God. May you minister to them, God, as they minister to others, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Always, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.